Well, it's Valentine's weekend, and uh, what a what a great weekend to wrap up this series called God Is um, with this message, God is love. Everybody say that with me. God is love. Now, say it like you mean it. God is love. I'm excited about this message today because I, I think it can really help those of us who struggle with this idea of, of love. Uh, for some of us, we've never felt like we are loved. Some of us are, uh, would be honest to say, you know what, my, my love relationships, whether it be a romantic relationship or even with friends, my relationship with people that I say I love is not always easy, and, and I'm, I need some help with that. Or for some of us, even this idea of loving ourselves. And uh, so today, I really want to challenge you as we're talking through this, really open your heart and mind to what God wants to say to you. Here's the deal. I'm, I'm going to say this from the get-go. You will never truly know what love is until you know who God is, because God is love. And when you know him, that's the first step of really opening your heart and life to allowing love not only to transform you, but to flow through you. Um, I want you to look at a passage of Scripture, 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. Read this out loud with me, would you? We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Here's, here's my premise today. God is both the source of our love and the model for our love. Let me say that again. God is both the source of our love and the model for our love. If you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you've not allowed the Spirit of God to take control of your life, then you, you have not yet experienced the fullness of what love is. And God is the source of that love. When we open our hearts and life to Jesus Christ and his spirit indwells us, all of a sudden we are finally connected to the author of love. But that's only the first part. Not only is that love supposed to live in us, but that love is supposed to flow through us. That's why I say that God is both the source and the model. Because here's the deal. Some of us struggle with love because we really don't know God yet. And we can take care of that by stepping into this relationship with Christ. But others of us, we've experienced the love of God. We've experienced it. But we really have never diligently asked the question, Lord, how do I let that love that you've given me, how do I put that into practice in my own life? You ready? Let's take a journey today, and I hope you'll take good notes or at least think deeply about these things, because I think they can really help you. This idea of modeling comes out of Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. This is Paul writing to the Ephesian church. Read it with me. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of of Christ. Let me say it again. Live a life filled with what? With love. In other words, Paul was saying, you know, we've received that love. Let's model that love. Well, I want to give you some challenges with this today. Um, there, I, when I stepped back with this and I, and I started asking myself the question, 
Um, why is this love of God so important to us, not just personally, but in our relationships with other people? There, there are a few things that really jumped out at me, and, and I want to give them to you. Ready? Here's the first one. God's love actually frees us to love others in a healthy way. I'm going to say that again. God's love can free us to love others in a healthy way. Now, come on, it's just us. How many of you be honest enough to admit you've loved some other people in some unhealthy ways? Anybody? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure we have. And if we were honest, we all have it probably to some degree. Look at what, look at what the, 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 the psalmist wrote in Psalm 63.3. Read it out loud. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. Now, here's the deal. We are all on a mission uh, in life to experience that kind of love. And does this make sense to you? When we haven't experienced that love from God, we try to find that love in other people. Now, how many of you have discovered already that no one in this world can love you perfectly? Have you discovered that? Yeah, no matter how much they want to. What you understand is when the Bible talks about God's love, they say it is an unending love. It is an unconditional love. It is an unfailing love. And you know what? We get into relationships with people, and what do we discover? Sometimes their love comes and goes. Sometimes their love ends. Sometimes they are not perfect, and they love us in very inadequate ways. You know, sometimes what, you know, what we discover is these people who, who, who really say they love us treat us sometimes in some very unloving ways. That's why it's so important to have this foundation. Look at me. Please hear my heart with this. Because the day I start looking for God's love in you, and that's what I'm looking for to fulfill my heart, you know what? I'm doomed. I'm doomed. Which is why so many of us go from relationship to relationship, person to person, leaving people, you know, leaving people person after person simply because they can't love us the way that we're really needing to be loved. Yeah, there was a guy uh, a few years back named Harry Rabin. Um, Harry was, when he was 74, uh, he had retired as a security guard. Uh, his wife had passed away, and when Harry turned 74, he uh, met another woman, and he fell in love again. And so Harry started courting this woman, and what he discovered was that this woman was very wealthy. Uh, she had a lot of money. And her son was a millionaire, and Harry was a retired security guard, you know, so he felt horribly inadequate. Um, and she liked to go to nice places, and she liked to do nice things. And Harry was so in love with her that he decided he was going to take her to those nice places, and he was going to do those nice things. And she was really impressed. You know, here's a guy who, you know, didn't really seem to have a lot of money, but he always seemed to have money for her. And so he took her to all these places. He lavished his love on her in all those kinds of ways. And that went on for three years from the time he was 74 to the time he was 77 until the day they came and they arrested Harry. Because the way he financed his love for her, he had robbed three banks. A guy who had never committed a crime before robbed three banks. Why? Because he loved her so much. Well, that's not love. That's codependency. And you got to understand the difference. 
You see, here was a guy who, who, who couldn't imagine living without this woman, was willing to do things that violated his own, you know, his, his, his own uh, sense of ethics and integrity, and he knew that, and yet he did it anyway because he thought she could provide something for him that she could never give. You see, people will never be able, you will never be able to love you the way that God loves you. And as long as you look for that, you will, you will find yourself seeking after that love in unrealistic ways. Throw, throw that point up on the screen for me. Without God, we will love others. How? Unrealistically. Unrealistically. I want to give you a second thought. Without God, we will tend to love others selfishly. I don't know if you've discovered this, but when God doesn't come into play... I, when I'm you know, thinking about how I love other people, a lot of times we approach those relationships in this idea of what I can get out of it. Uh, we're looking at what I can get out of it as opposed to maybe what I can put into it. Um, I read this, this. I thought this was, was, was funny. Uh, this guy wrote this kind of a scene from the Garden of Eden that um, I, I thought was kind of, kind of interesting. He says, Adam was walking around the Garden of Eden feeling very lonely and so Adam, God said to Adam, Adam, what's wrong? And Adam said, God, I don't, I don't have anybody to talk to. I, I don't have anybody to love. And so God said, okay, I'm going to give you a companion, and it's going to be a woman. And he said, this person that I'm going to give you, she's going to cook for you, and she's going to wash your clothes, and she will always agree with you in every decision that you make. She will bear you children and she will never ask you to get up in the middle of the night to take care of any of them. She will not nag you, and she will be the first person to admit she was wrong whenever you've had a disagreement. She will love you freely and give you unbridled compassion whenever you need it. And Adam said, wow, God, what's a woman like that cost? And God said, an arm and a leg. Adam thought for a minute, and he goes, well, what can I get for a rib? <laughs> and the rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> well, you see, that's, that's how we think about love. We want somebody, I, I, want, I want you to meet my needs. I, I want you to do stuff for me. You know, I, 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 I want somebody that's going to take care of me and, and do it. It's a, very, it's a very self-centered love. But yet, Jesus taught us to think about love very differently. In fact, look at 1 John 3.16. Look at what John said. Read it with me. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. When, Jesus, when, when Paul was writing to the church um, in Ephesus, and he was talking about the love in a family, and he said, husbands, love your wives. Anybody remember how? Like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. In other words, Paul, Paul was framing. He said, you know what? <clears throat> when real love is in your heart, it is a, it is a lay down life love. Jesus said that in John. He said, greater love has no man than this, than to do what? Than to lay your life down for your friends. I want you to notice the contrast. Human love can be so selfish. What are you doing for me? God love is, what can I do for you? You see the contrast? The other part of that is, without God, we will often love other people 
superficially. We will often love people, other people superficially. And here's what I mean by that. Um, you ever notice how freely we use the word love? You know, what's sad is in, in the English language, that, that love, that word love has this broad context of meaning. Um, you know, I can say, I love my wife. I can also say, I love my thunder. I can also say, I love cherry pie. You know, and we use that same word, though it really has various meanings. That's why I love the Greek where it talks about eros, which is a romantic kind of love, and then phileo, which is a brotherly love, and then it talks about agape, which is a godlike love. And yet we, we use that word love, and oftentimes, if we're honest, the love that we're talking about is often very superficial. Come on, just think with me for a second. How many times have we told people in our lives, people that we're even close to, that we say, man, I love you so much, and sometimes we have these real tender moments, and we're crying. We know I love you so much. I would do anything for you. And then we get annoyed when they call us and ask them to take them to the airport. Are you with me? What happened here? You know, what, what, what went on between the I'll do anything for you to would you take me to the... Well, when we say I'll do anything for you, come on, it's just us. We don't really mean it. Because often the love that we're talking about is a lot more superficial than we're being honest about. And that's, that's why God's love for us, the transform, transforming work that he wants to do is he wants to take us past this love that just says I love you to a love that really changes the way you live. Come on, just stay with me. Think about how you talked to and treated the people in your life that you say you love the most over the last few weeks. And I'm gonna guess if you took careful review most of us in this room would probably say, you know what, we, we said things we probably shouldn't have said to them. We treated them in ways we shouldn't have treated them, and we acted in ways that we really wouldn't want to be held accountable for. That means your love is more superficial than you think. You see, God's love transforms how we talk to each other and how we treat each other. And that's the model that he has given to us. That's, that's why, again, I, I, I love what John said in 1 John 3, 18. Read it with me. He says, little children, let us stop just saying we love people and let's really love them and show it by our, show it by our what? Our actions. Can I give you a second thought? This is going to push on us pretty good this morning. We talk about God's love. God's love should transform us to love those we believe we could never love. God's love seeks to transform us to love those that we think we could never love. Come on, just us. How many of you have people in your life that make you mad? How many of you have some really annoying people in your life? Yeah. How many of you brought them with you this morning? Yeah. <laughs> All these hands going up. Yeah, right here, right here, right here. Yeah. It's somebody. I had, a, I had a friend who actually posted this on Facebook yesterday, and I, I messaged her and said, I'm, I'm stealing this. Throw that up on the screen. My problem is I want to follow Jesus and slap people too. <laughs> How many of you can understand this? Yeah, I, I read that and I just started cracking up laughing. I thought, man, who of us hadn't felt like that? You know, I love Jesus, but I'd like to smack you right now, you know? But, but this, this is the point. It's this idea of loving unlovely people. 
It's the idea of loving people who aren't so nice to us. It's the idea of loving people that don't deserve love. Those are the people that Christ is really calling us, trying to transform us to love. Um, here, here's what, you, you want you want a, a really hard read, read Matthew 5 sometimes. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 5. He says, you've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Read it with me. But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father who is in heaven. Circle that little phrase, true, true children. You'll be acting like true children. In this context, Jesus tells the people, he he says, if you're only nice to people who are nice to you, what good is that? Pagans do that. Anybody does that. You know, if you're, if you're only loving people who are loving toward you, you know what? Everybody in the world does that. You, we need to be different. God loved you when you were really unlovely. And he wants us to love as he loves. Now, gang, I know this is hard. And, and I know that this is something where we have to push against ourselves and let God really work with us but when we do it, you know what? It's miraculous. I, I, I saw a video um, a week ago that just really blew me away that speaks directly to this point. I want to show you a classic example of what this kind of love really looks like. Play that video for me. We end this week with a lesson in forgiveness from Steve Hartman on the road. It all went down on this block in Benton Harbor, Michigan. Back in 05, Jamel McGee says he was minding his own business when a police officer accused him of and arrested him for dealing drugs. You saying the officer made it up? Yeah, it was all made up. Of course, a lot of accused men make that claim, but not many arresting officers agree. So you phonied the report? I did, I falsified the report. This is former Benton Harbor police officer Andrew Collins. Were you just trying to chalk up an arrest? Well, basically, the start of that day, I was going to make sure I had another drug arrest. And in the end, you put an innocent guy in jail? Correct. Yeah. You lost everything. I lost everything. My only goal was to seek him when I got home and to hurt him. Really? That was my goal. Eventually, that crooked cop was caught, served a year and a half for falsifying many police reports, planting drugs and stealing. Of course, Jamal was exonerated, but he still spent four years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. Today, both men are back here in Benton Harbor, which is a small town, maybe a little too small. Hey, guys, thank you. Last year, by sheer coincidence, they both ended up at Mosaic, a faith-based employment agency where they now work side-by-side in the same cafe. Excuse me. And it was in these cramped quarters that the bad cop and the wrongfully accused had no choice but to have it out. I said, honestly, I have no explanation. All I can do is say I'm sorry. And Jamel says that was all it took. That was pretty much what I needed to hear. Today, they're not only cordial. Saturday, we went to the trampoline park. They're friends. Uh, You know, we talk about life. Such close friends. Not long ago, Jamel actually told Andrew he loved him. 
And I just started weeping because he doesn't owe me that. I, he, I don't deserve that, you know? Did you forgive for his sake or for yours? No, for our sake. Not just us, for our sake. Jamel went on to tell me about his Christian faith and his hope for a kinder <laughs> mankind. He wants to be an example. So now he and Andrew give speeches together about the importance of forgiveness and redemption. Grab this one, set it over there. And clearly, if these two guys from the coffee shop can set aside their bitter grounds, what's our excuse? Steve Hartman, on the road, in Benton Harbor, Michigan. And that's the CBS Evening News for tonight. We could use some more of that kind of news. Amen. And you guys, you guys know me well enough. Man, I watched this video, and I just bawled like a baby. And I thought, you know, what a classic example of a man who allowed the love of God, not just to transform him, but to flow through him. I, 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 thought, it was, I thought it was funny when the, uh, when the commentator said, you know, by sheer coincidence, they both ended up at this faith base. And I thought, no, that was not sheer coincidence, baby. If you know anything about the hand of God, he'll get you exactly to where you need to be. But I want you to notice how this guy just allowed the love of God to flow through him. A guy who wrongfully put him in jail for four years, and yet he chose to love instead of hate. You know, the defining difference for those of us who walk by faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, um, again, is the fact that we, we show love toward people who don't deserve love. And my challenge to you in your own walk and journey is to think about who are those people in your life that, you know, you don't have very loving thoughts toward and just challenge yourself to allow you to see them through God's eyes and what would be God's response through you to them. God's love transform us to lo love those we believe we could never love. Let me give you one more, and this will be really helpful, I think, for, for some of us this morning. God's love even empowers us to love ourselves. God's love even empowers us to love ourselves. Now, here's what I know without even guessing. There are many of us who came to church this morning or are watching online and here and here's what I know here's what I know about some of you without even asking the question you don't love yourself for some of us we don't love ourselves because of things that we've done in our past uh, some of us don't love ourselves because uh, we've been told all of our life that we weren't worthy that we weren't valuable that we weren't important and we don't love ourselves because we just feel like, you know what, we're just discardable, you know, as, as people. Uh, and, and what I know is a part of what God came to do was not just transform our spirit and transform the way we love other people. Believe it or not, God wants you to love you. Do you remember what Jesus said when they asked him what was the greatest commandment? They said, love the Lord your God, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he said the second is equally important, and that's to do what? Love your neighbor. How? As yourself. Why? Because it's important that we love other people, but it's important, too, that we love us. If, if we don't love ourselves, here's what I know. A lot of people who don't love themselves, they take one of two extremes. Either they, they become very bitter toward life 
And they, they, they try to shell themselves off. And so their relationships are harsh with other people. They have a hard time making it because they, they, they repel people because of the way that they act because they don't love themselves. Or we, we develop these lifestyles where we have no boundaries and we become great codependents who let the world walk all over them. And, and, and we, we, we have this passive aggressive nature that we develop. Those are the extremes that we begin to develop out of this. God wants you to love you. And you can, and you should. Why? Give you a few reasons. First of all, God gives us a divine value. I don't care who has told you, you know, anything about yourself. Here's what I know. God created you, and he's the only one who has the right to define you. In, in Psalm 139, he says, I knit you together. Psalmist said, you knit me together, Lord, in my mother's womb. And if God made you, can I tell you something? God doesn't make junk. In fact, in, in Psalm chapter 8, uh, Psalm 8, uh, the, the David wrote, he said, you know what? You, I am created just a little bit lower than an angel. I'm crowned with glory and honor. You are crowned with glory and honor. God has given you great value. You are the pearl of great price that God was willing to die for. You are the treasure buried in a field that God was willing to sell everything he, that he had to possess. You are that individual. You have great value to God. I don't care what anyone else says. Secondly, God gives us a divine pardon. Now, the reference I gave there was 1 Corinthians 5. It should say 2 Corinthians 5. Because in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul wrote, you know what? If any man be in Christ, he's a brand new creation. The old is gone and all things become new. Some of us have a hard time loving ourselves today because of what we've done. Now, I'm going to deal with this extensively in the next sermon series about dealing with our past. But here's what you need to know. God's grace is greater than all of your sin. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how long you've lived there. God offers you a divine pardon that says, you know what? The old is gone and all things become new. Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be like scarlet, they can be as white as snow. And thirdly, God gives us a divine identity. I love this. I don't care where you came from. I don't care what your family was like. I don't care what your genealogy is like. doesn't matter. There's only one genealogy that really matters, and that is that we trace our roots back to the Father. Here's what the Word of God says in 1 John 3, 1. Oh, what love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called the children of God, and that's who we really are. Amen. You have intrinsic value. You have a past that Christ is willing to wipe clean. <laughs> you have an identity. You're a child of the king. You need to love you. Years back in, in Pennsylvania, there was a, a guy who was uh, at a flea market, and he saw this painting and he thought the painting was really ugly but he loved the frame and he thought I'm gonna I'm gonna buy this and I think I can restore this frame and make it really look look nice it kind of an ornate wood frame and so he bought it for four bucks at this flea market but when he got home and got started messing with the frame he found out the frame was really pretty cheap <laughs> 
and it was kind of coming apart, and he wasn't going to be able to do with it what he, what he wanted to do. And so he decided he was going to go ahead and, and throw it. So he had pulled the picture out just to work on the frame. And then when he went to gather it all to, to throw it away, there was a, a, a paper in the back behind the picture that had been folded up. And he thought, well, that was funny. It was kind of wedged between the picture and the back of the, back of the, the, the frame there. And so he pulled this out and he unfolded this piece of paper. And this is what he found. This is one of the first 24 declarations of independence that were written. Uh, when they signed the Declaration of Independence, they made 24 copies of it. And they distributed around the colonies to let the colonies know. This is before the internet, remember? Yeah. And so they were trying to let the colonies know that they had declared their independence. And so they made 24 known copies that are in the world. This guy, this, what he had found at a flea market for $4 was one of the original signed copies of the Declaration of Independence. And when he took it to a place in Atlanta, he ended up selling it for $2.4 million. Not a bad investment for $4. Now, here's what I want you to get. You see, there are a lot of people that looked at that and just thought it was an ugly picture. Even the man himself, when he looked at it, thought it was just a worthless frame. But inside of it, there was something of incredible value, more than he ever imagined. And that's you. I know this. There are some of you, when you looked in the mirror this morning, you didn't see something valuable. You saw an ugly painting. You saw a broken up frame. But you need to know that the hand of God has put something of incredible worth inside of you. Something that he was willing to die for. Amen. This morning, I, I just want to encourage you to just open your heart and life to the love of God. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, this morning, this is your day. Invite him in. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter what you've done. Confess that to him and let God do a transforming work. For God so loved you, he sent his one and only son. And he sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And if you'll cry out to him today, he'll, he'll set that past aside. All things can become new. And, and if you've received that love, it's just a thought. But, but are you loving, letting that love flow through you? Are you loving others with the same love that God has loved you? And if not, this morning, maybe your prayer is a prayer of surrender that just says, help me, God. You loved me in so many ways that I didn't deserve. Could you help me love others like that? Rachel's going to lead us in uh, this old hymn, this song. It's just a, it's a great song about the great love of God. And After we sing this through, I'm, I'm going to pray for us today. And I want you to just kind of make where you are your own little place of worship. And, and I want you to lean into God and just pray to Him whatever prayers you need to allow that love 
to flow into you. The altars are open. Any of you feel a need, you want to come and kneel or stand to kind of make a defining moment with God, you're more than welcome to do that. Father, as we come before you today, sometimes we're just overwhelmed by the love that you offer. It's so much greater than our minds can conceive. Maybe that's why when Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he said, I I wish you could understand how deep, how wide, and how high God's love is for you. And Lord, today, I, I pray for every single person, Lord, that maybe for the very first time is opening their hearts to that love. And I pray that that love would just transform them. Let them know, Lord, you love them just as they are. And Lord, let your grace wash over them. Let that grace transform them from all that they were to all that they can be. Let them know today they're a brand new creation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And for Father, for those of us who have received that love, would you help us to not keep that love to ourselves? Would you help us, Lord, to allow that love to flow through us? Would you help us to, to love the, not just the people who love us or the people who are nice to us, but would you help us to love some of these unlovable people in our lives, to love some of these unlovely people in our lives? Lord, when you came for us, we weren't that lovely. Your word says that it was while we were yet sinners that you gave your life for us. And if you can love us that way, you can help us to love others too. Father, I want to pray a special prayer today for those who struggle to love themselves. And I pray right now, Lord, wherever they are, that you would wrap your arms around them, that you would let them just lay their head on your shoulder and that you would hold them close to your heart. And today, Lord, that they would see themselves through your eyes, that they have incredible intrinsic value that they are pardoned and they are free. And you are so proud that they are your child. Oh God, thank you for that love. A love we don't deserve, but we are so grateful to have. Let it flow through us to a world that desperately needs it. This we pray in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen.